Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today, we are speaking with Cassandra Chandler. Hey, Cassandra. Hi, Ben. How are you? Or should I say Cassie? Uh, we, we, you know, Cassie. She goes by Cassie, but uh, it's great to talk to you, Cassie. Um, you know, Cassie's done amazing things in her career, and we're going to go through a whole bunch of stuff today. But presently, she is the founder and CEO of the Vigio Alliance, um, which really focuses on culture and di- diversity uh, risk assessment. We'll go through that more in a second. Cassie's had a distinguished career as a strategist and an investigator, identifying and addressing intelligence, financial crimes, cyber and fraud risks, along with regulatory and reputational risks in the federal government and the banking industry. She's seen it all. (laughs) Uh, and, And as I said, she's currently the president and CEO of the Vigio Alliance. But before we get into Vigio, why don't we talk a little bit about your career? Uh, tell us a little bit about your background. I guess when you when you take a look at my background, Ben, I'm kind of, uh, it sounds bizarre, all the different things I've done, but it kind of plays into having that risk and compliance type of uh, uh, expectation and, and skills and ability. I initially started my career as a television news anchor and reporter. Wow. <laughs> and after after working in that field for about five years, I then went on to law school, practice as an attorney in Louisiana after graduating from Loyola Law School. And then I went into was finally um, got at this keen interest on becoming um, James Bond 007. So yep. I joined the FBI as an attorney and a special agent. Wow. In that career for about ooh, I'd say about 24, almost 24 years, just shy of about a week shy of 24 years. And during that career, I served uh, mostly white collar crime, financial crimes type of investigations. I um, also moved up the ranks to become its first black female assistant director um, over some of the programs. I oversaw their, their training program. Mm-hmm. During the time, I don't know if you can recall, there was a lot of uproar about the FBI's um, training and what we were doing to, to move criminal agents along. Okay. But after 9-11, there became a huge push for more intelligence-driven type of agencies. So I was responsible for going back to the academy, refocusing the FBI training academy at Quantico, Virginia towards intelligence, that intelligence mission building an intelligence training program for individuals who were analysts, but not necessarily agents and getting them to work together. So I did that um, as an assistant director. And and then I was promoted into the role as assistant director of public affairs because of that old background in journalism. I I like to say, you know, I've had many, many, many careers, the most frightening and the most the career part that drove me most insane was being the, the assistant director of public affairs <laughs> in the FBI sometime shortly after the 9-11 fiasco. Wow. Well, yeah, I can imagine oh. that must have been intense oh. for sure. I, you know, I like to, I look back over my life and I said, 
During that time period, I think my right leg stopped functioning properly. Uh, I had to drive using my left leg, couldn't find out what the problems were. And I lost three eyelashes that I woke one morning after I think a news story in the New York Times and I had three white eyelashes. <laughs> so you know, my thing was, you know, being working with the national media in Washington DC was a very difficult task. Well, anyway, I can imagine. I but I mean, what an incredible background. I mean, I, uh, now, now that I know that I'm, I'm talking to 007 here, it's uh, very, very exciting. Uh, you know, it's the, you know, it reminds me of that kind of the most interesting, you know, woman in the world type of conversation. So this is excellent. I have no regrets. It was a, a, just a fascinating career um, working in those very Yeah, and I can see how all that work really does somehow connect into what you're focused on now with the Vigio Alliance. So tell us more about uh, how that, how you're building that business and uh, focusing really to solve some of the diversity, equity, and inclusion issues? Well, one of the things about um, my background, and I also worked as a senior executive in, in the banking industry after retiring from the FBI, Vigio became a brainstorm with a friend of mine, and, um, and it was to take a look at building leadership um, and taking a look at the, the risk involved in the culture. And a lot of people don't realize your culture starts the first risk in a business. Right. So we started looking at the cultural risk, not from the compliance and risk normal expectations in the banking industry, but looking at it from a people risk, right? How mm -hmm. people come together, how they're working together. And in doing so, in establishing Vigio Alliance, I recognized that people could thrive better when they were more diverse and talking to each other. And there was a sense of camaraderie and humanity within the business industry. Yeah. And so when you look at, I know a lot of people ask me, what does that term visio mean? Visio is actually Latin and, okay. it, and, it's, and it means to thrive. And okay. so the hope was to make sure and get the employees to be that component part, right? That could thrive in the business. And then the business itself would be able to. You know, to it's, so, it's so refreshing for you to talk about that because um, I'd say that the last year for me, uh, has been one of these eye-opening years on the topic of, of business culture um, because, you know, we found a situation that, you know, my business, we're operating virtually, right? Um, and how, it, it, how do you maintain a culture in a virtual scenario? How do you maintain humanity? How do you kind of improve empathy? But it really, I mean, and how do you kind of maintain community as well? And it, and, and, I've thought more about culture probably in the last 12 months than I have in, in the last several years, um, because I think some of the things that just automatically just happened when you're in an office together, yes. um, you really have to think more about in a remote structure. And, um, and I, so I think what you're talking about is really important, actually, really, really important, especially with all of the things that, that are happening in society today as well. I think a lot, I like, I think a lot of people don't, realize that although we're in this virtual time period, um, having the virtual relationship can be positive when people tend to not realize they're being recorded, right? If, you, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're not saying to the employees, we're gonna record this and you give them the opportunity to talk and they have all those little boxes everywhere. If someone starts the movement of 
of something chatty. People have been sitting in their their houses all day, you know, they're tired. And then you, you'd be surprised how you really get to know people better because now everybody in those little boxes are starting to talk and laugh and come up with some things that they would never normally in the bigger space in the office have done because they were so used to the, the that work environment feel of, uh, you know, da, 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 da. now you're at home, right? And you're sitting in your kitchen or your living room and you're still talking to the people who were there in that office with you, but now you're starting to see them differently. You're yeah. seeing them from a home perspective from the living room. Yeah. So I try and build on that, on that being at home and virtual kind of relationship and encourage a lot more dialogue that way. I love it. And, and so um, it says a video does, you know, risk assessment. It sounds like you guys do a lot of other things like coaching as, 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 as well. Um, tell us a little bit more about the types of services that Vigio offers. So Vigio Alliance offers services that uh, allow for us to come in and take a really deep view of what is your culture. Okay. A lot of times, even the kind of words or the, the core values that a business pulls together and tells their employees, this is who we are. They've never really taught them how to be that. Yeah. So we go in and we discover how's your leadership, how does your leadership understand your culture? How do you understand CEO, your culture and board of directors? And then we, we just keep moving down lower and lower and lower so that everyone begins to understand more importantly, what are the core values of my company? Mm -hmm. And how am I experiencing, how does my personal experience feed into those core values? And how are we now using those core values as shared values? That's a part of discovering the culture, right? You've got to get in, understand, who the people are individually, and then how they come together for shared core values. Yeah. And after we do that, we do tend to go on and try and do a lot more leadership coaching to help continue to drive that, that um, relationship. That's one of the reasons why it's called Vigilio Alliance. When yeah. I come in and we start the process, I don't leave until you feel comfortable that things are continuing to move and to grow and it's sustainable, not just check the box and I'm gone. That's yeah, no, I think that's a really good point, too, because um, I think a lot of times right now, companies are making very quick decisions to make changes and then um, not really building a, a sustainable culture, you know, a sustainable new model. And, and, and you know, it's getting, a, a, getting away from those kind of like, I'd say, you know, veneer solutions is really, really quite quite important. Um, so, I mean, I, I can obviously see how this is relevant to almost all the changes we're, we're, we're witnessing in society today. But I mean, tell us a little bit more about how you feel Vigio plays a role in, in the changing um, structure of business. Well, one of the other, one of the other aspects about this um, um, moving towards sustainability, mm -hmm. that Vigio also comes in and helps you discover the diversity and equity and inclusion aspects of your business. And a lot of times we, we you'll hear people start making comments about inclusive, inclusive. And I always start with guys, hold a second. Let's first step, step back and understand what does diversity really mean to you? Right. Because it's not, if we start looking at diversity and inclusion as something you go in and check a box, right? Right. I'm, I, and I've, I've got so many, all my stats are saying blah, blah, blah it's not really gonna change anything until the, it's diversity is a part of the hearts and minds of the individuals in that office. That's yeah. part of the culture, right? Yeah, absolutely. Diversity, it's gotta move more beyond the culture to becoming a part of uh, that person's individual personal life. 
So when I come in, I, I don't look at it from the checkbox. I don't look at it. I've got a chief diversity officer. I don't, it, right. that's relevant to me. That's your way of doing things. I come in and I try and look at your individuals. What's your right. culture? How's that individual fit? And how is it fitting into the broader picture? So it's very different. And I think um, what Visio offers that's different, I think, from a number of the other businesses who focus on diversity, that is, is that I look at it from personal experience yeah. and from a commitment. It's, right. not, it's not that I've gone to school and I've gotten a, a, a degree in human resource, blah, blah, blah. I've lived this. Yeah. I'm the individual who grew up when schools were segregated to right. integrate it and saw how we connected and how we grew. I grew up in a, at a time period when we went through a lot of racial strife yep. to a time when individuals became champions, right? And so I am now able to, to lend those ideas and examples and say, we can move from here to having a personal commitment to then becoming champions. And things will change when you do that because now you're changing the, the inner core of individuals and the, and the company and the business. I love it. I, I, uh, I, I think that there's not a business uh, in, in the world, especially in the United States, that isn't um, thinking about these topics right now. And it kind of really brings me to my, my next question. You know, there's been a huge backdrop over the last year. Not only we've had the pandemic, but um, uh, it's been a moment for a lot of social change in, in our society. Um, I mean, how have you stayed sane in that whole process and and um you know where have you been able to you know find find i i i, I use the word joy but some some type of joy in your life yeah i um i want i do think it's important for me just to say with all of the things we've seen from the social unrest and, and experiences that we've had uh, i do work with police departments as well and so i have an understanding of the black community, the Asian community, people of color in our communities and, and what we're dealing with from a law enforcement perspective to law enforcement officers who truly believe that their mission is to be a guardian and a protector, right. not necessarily a warrior. Right. And, and I try and make sure those ideas and folks understand each other, community and police that, that we do see things a lot the same. Yeah. Because most of the things that we receive from television, from news, from TV shows, it's the negative. So I try and come in and show that it's, it's well beyond that. So you'll see I do a lot of public speaking, yeah. um, a lot of motivational speaking to, to bring a lot of these concepts out and help people see. You know, it, I think that's, that's yeah, I really like what you're saying because um, I do believe that, you know, if we take the, if we take the early part of your career in broadcasting, uh, a lot of the stories tend to miss miss the kind of details that really matter the dimensions of situations and um and hopefully you know through that through those moments we can kind of find find better solutions you know it's uh, i think it's always kind of misunderstood sometimes that you know we see a protest somewhere and the police are are definitely on their back foot but it's not that these communities don't want the police every community wants a police force exactly. it's just Absolutely. they just want they just want a a different type of a police force so it, it, it's just kind of i think important to embrace embrace that um and understand that you yes. know yeah so that that's great that's great so tell me a little bit more about um about you know some of the projects maybe that you've been able to be part of can you i don't know if you can talk about that you know any 
Um, I, I'll tell you, I can't exactly say the name. Yeah, of course. I, I, I should have known. <laughs> but I will say this. I mean, I've had the opportunity because I, because I spent 10 years in the banking industry, I do a lot of work with still with banks. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of the diversity training type of programs with banks. And in fact, right now, one of the banking schools have asked me to put together a class on diversity mm -hmm. and inclusion, making it personal, to take a look at that wow. personal perspective of it. So this is, that's fantastic. Um, I'm also doing a lot of work, as I indicated, with some police departments and city governments yeah. that are saying, come in and take a look at our, at our executives, you know, the police, the head of the city, um, the city council, com different component parts and, and um, you know, managers and so forth of the government mm -hmm. and see how they're using their roles to lead and influence the same type of diversity or the same type of culture. And then I'm, then I'm working with businesses. Right. And, it's, and it, it gives you the opportunity to see things now starting to come together. Here's my problem, however. And I, and yeah. this, this is truth. I'm a, I'm a small company. And the same kinds of things I try and do are the things that, that your very large consulting firms are doing. Right. So if you take a look at it, you're going to get a Deloitte as opposed to a Cassie Chandler Visio Alliance because you believe, well, these guys have, you know, they've got all these employees. But what they're missing is that personal commitment, an individual who's lived it, and doesn't look at it from a checkbox mentality. So that's one of the, that's one of the things I see. Yeah, and also just the wealth of experience that you bring to the table here. I mean, this yeah. is uh, your, your background uh, from really kind of understanding the risks that companies face and as an investigator, a journalist, and now someone who's focused on the culture and diversity space. I see how all of those come together very, very well. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, I, I can see how it's a very powerful solution. So, I mean, when, when you look forward, uh, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, we're all back out uh, outside and um, being able to see one another regularly again soon. But um, what, what, what are your hopes for the future with the business and, and, uh, and the spaces that, that you're focused on? I personally would love to see this business grow. I know that what I do has a, has a personal commitment and the individuals I usually bring in with the business have a personal commitment, but I would love to see this style of, of diversity and cultural assessments change the way that we're, we're doing it across the country and around the world so that it, did, it then becomes that personal relationship. You start changing the business to a business of humanity. You start encouraging hope and, and kindness and that's what we become. So yeah. I'm very honest with you, Ben. I'm on a mission. Yeah. <laughs> this is a personal mission for me. I want to see this business help change the world and change the whole narrative yeah. of what is diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? Yeah. That's my hope. That's my Yeah, hope. I feel like it's, uh, what I'm hearing is that a lot of companies today are very focused maybe on like an acute problem or a need that they see or, or you know, they're yeah. focused on a number or yeah. something like that. And you're, you're really offering what I would say is a, a holistic perspective on the situation and understanding that, you know, it'll evolve over time. And yeah. maybe that evolution is necessary, right? Like, I think, that 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 is uh, that is kind of like quite uh, quite important, and I I really really have enjoyed this conversation, Cassie. 
Thank you so much for joining us on Uncaged. Um, we've been talking to Cassie or Cassandra Chandler, who's the founder and CEO of the Vigio Alliance. Vigio Alliance focuses on culture and diversity risk assessments, training, leadership assessments, and the evolution of businesses around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, Cassie has a, an incredible background in everything from security, to uh, journalism and really bringing all of these things to bear in this solution. And so Cassie, thank you so much. If someone wants to learn more about what Vigio is up to, where, where should they go? Just go to www.vigioalliance.com. Excellent. Well, listen, thank you so much. And I look forward to talking again, Cassie. Really, really enjoyed this one. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.